That's all right. Through it all. There might be someone here who wants to depend upon his word. Through it all. Come on. Come on, Trust Come on. Make it personal, point at yourself. His word is true and his word is dependable. Thank you for helping minister to us and for the blessing and being used by God in this moment. Let's give God praise just one more time. I have to admit I I stole the title of this sermon from Pastor. We were uh, planning and and, um, some dates moved and he had this title and and I looked at it, I was like, man, that's a great title. So here's the footnote. Uh, I'm I'm referencing Pastor. Uh, I didn't steal it, but uh, we're going to talk about the deliberate but the logical God on today. God, we're grateful for what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard in this worship experience and what we have offered unto you. We pray, God, that it has been pleasing to your sight. And so now, Lord, I am simply ordained dust, but all that I am and all that I am not is available unto you. So use us for your service, preacher and people, people and preacher, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, may be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When a child does not understand something, oftentimes their response is, that doesn't make sense. 
what they are saying is it doesn't make sense to me. Not that it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense to me. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, and they're getting ready to go to school, and they see the cookies that are sitting up there, and they say, well, can I have a cookie? No, you can't. You have to have breakfast. It's too much. That doesn't make sense. I'm hungry. I want a cookie. Give it to me. The way that they view the world and their experience is uh, what makes sense to them. What isn't a part of their experience, then it's illogical because it doesn't fit into what they believe and what they understand. And and sadly, there are some adults who never outgrow that. That they they have that mindset that if it's not if it does not fit into my uh, paradigm of what life should be or what this should be or what that should be, then uh, it doesn't make sense and and it's senseless. That's why oftentimes when you try to speak to people who are of a different persuasion or or who are not kissed by the sun or who lack melanin, they can't understand what we go through. They can't understand the oppression. They can't understand when we talk about America being a racist society. Society. They don't understand that it's a very different feel when you walk into a store and their first response is that you are suspect. They don't understand what that feels like. It doesn't make sense to them. But to you and I, we understand clearly what that means. And, and if it doesn't make sense, then it must be senseless. No. Because every now and again, God does some things that doesn't make any sense. C.S. Lewis says it this way. C.S. Lewis says that, that God's peculiar way of choosing particular people for his purposes is an offense to our modern sensibilities. God has a deliberate way, but sometimes it's illogical to what we understand. Because we have preconceived notions and expectations of how God works. And the problem with that is that some of that is not based on biblical truth. Oftentimes, we're just repeating what we heard. We're kind of parroting in our praise. Uh, uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's a good idea, but there's no biblical reference to that. There's no biblical address. There there is no quote or paraphrase to that. Uh, You can be the cleanest person in the world on your way to hell. Having preconceived notions of who God is and how God works isn't anything new. Uh, As a matter of fact, having that might even put you in some ways in some good company. See, uh, uh, the problem, however, we got to be careful when we do that. We can't put God in a box. Because when we put God in a box, we attempt to limit God. And that's what was happening with Samuel. Samuel heard from God. He was a prophet of God. He was listening to God, but he attempted to put God in a box. And so the text picks up after Saul is anointed as king and, and, and Saul falls out of favor with God. His downfall, that is Saul's downfall, was that he wanted to do things his way. God gave him clear instructions. 
Go against the Amalekites, destroy everything, leave nothing. And, and Saul was disobedient. He kept some of the spoils of war. He said, I'll, I'll keep a little something just for me. And that disappointed God. And so Samuel is given the task and told to go find a king. And, and, and he has to be told, God has to tell him, stop mourning over this. Stop weeping, and, and, and this is a byproduct. I didn't even know this, but this is a byproduct. Sometimes we grieve and hold on to things too long. Sometimes God has already moved on and, and is ready for you to catch up and ready for you to go forward, but you're so far holding on to the past that, God can't, that you can't let that go because God has something else for you before you. But your hands are tied behind you in the past. And so he said, stop mourning, go to Bethlehem. And here's the wonderful thing. He, he's given some instructions. He's told to where to go, go to Bethlehem. Told who to see, go see Jesse. He's told what to say, bring me your sons. This wasn't a needle in a haystack look. He, he didn't have to search. It was very clear. The instructions were clear. The directions were clear. The where, the who, the what, the how were laid out by God. But Samuel thought he knew what to expect from God. And so here's my first point. The more that you know about God, the more you will learn that you don't know God. Because God is too big to be, be held in, in, in our space, in our, in our minds. And, and God is too large to be limited and, and too great to be gotten. When people say, oh, I get God, I got it. No, once, once, once that happens, then you're limiting God because uh, uh, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, imagine, or think. And so as great as you believe God to be, as great as you know God to be, God is greater than that. And see, Paul said it best. Paul said, we know in part. That's, that's the best that we can do. So Samuel begins looking earnestly for the next king. And he says, Jesse, bring out, bring out your sons. I can only imagine what that felt like. I have a, a, a sliver of what that feels like. We, we have children, and, and every now and again, our, our children are at places and spaces in their lives where you, you're, you're proud of them. This is June, and, and last month, May, and everyone was graduating, and, and you're celebrating them. And, and some people received college degrees, and some received baby pre-kindergarten Degrees, I, I don't even know what they call them. They, they're excited that they're no longer in pampers. I don't know, right? But, but we're excited over that. We, we get really excited. Every parent, everyone who knows a child is excited at every accomplishment. We stick out our chest with pride because they have done something. They've made it. So imagine how Jesse feels. That the prophet comes to town and the prophet says, I want to go to your house. I want you to bring your boys, your, your sons. Oh, Jesse's head is just filled. He's done a great job. He's raised his boys up right. They're, they're chosen by God. And, and this is the moment. I'm sure Jesse's saying everyone's going to see. And, and, and the first son, Eleb, is called and he's attractive. He's tall. And, and Samuel himself looks at him and says, yeah, he's a good looking guy. Everybody wants a tall guy. Except for my wife. 
But uh, 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 Samuel also is warned not to get caught up in the physical appearance. See, he was limited. He was looking at it from the mortal perspective. He was looking at it from his place. And, and, and when he, uh, uh, Samuel saw him, he, he's warned not to uh, follow the physical uh, appearance. And, and then uh, Jesse calls Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And God said, neither, neither the Lord has, he's good, but, but there's something missing. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. This is the third son, and neither has the Lord chosen this one. And seven times they went through this process. And, and I imagine uh, by the time each son thought to himself, okay, it's my turn now. Each time, and Jesse said, yeah, that's it. This is my boy. He's going to get it. Uh, but God said, yeah, no. See, we expect that God is going to choose someone who looks a certain way or acts a certain way to do God's will. We want to put uh, uh, the, the man, the woman of God in a particular box. But, but, but God, when you think about it, um, it, 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 it did make sense. David's brothers were older. They were bigger. They were stronger. So it made sense. But God says, don't look on the outward Look at the heart. That's my second point. God looks at the heart. Not your outward appearance, because outward appearances fades, and, and you keep living long enough. I remember hearing my grandmother and my mother say, keep living long enough, and you'll find out. There was a good friend of mine, an uh, uh, older woman, and she said, old age ain't for sissies. And she helped me out. See, because before I used to be able to run and jump. Now you sit down. <sighs> stand up. <sighs> Bones pop and you hear sounds and things that go on. And, 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 and all this outward stuff changes. And, and, and you're going to do everything that you can to take care of it and do that. But, but guess what? This outward stuff is going to change. But the word says that God looks at your heart. Uh, the heart is where the strength of your character is. The heart is the person's moral character and determination. So regardless of, of how my body moves, regardless of what's going on in the physicality, my heart is true. My character is certain. And the heart lets you do right when everyone else says to do wrong. And God sees your heart. And David's heart, even though he was the youngest, even though he may not have been the tallest, he may not have been the strongest, God saw David's heart. And David had the heart to defeat Goliath with a slingshot. David had the heart that would allow him to reign as king. He was the one that had the heart that God would allow him to be the ancestor of Jesus. Mm. See, all of these were coming through and and... And the seven of them came through, and you got to kind of pause for a moment at that. That seven sons passed by, and seven sons were passed over. Seven, the number of perfection. Seven, the number of completion. Seven, took seven days for God to create. He, he rested on the seven, but it was completed. Seven, come and seven go, and there... Samuel says to Jesse, 
Is this all? And Jesse almost forgets about David. He says, yeah, there, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. He wasn't even considered in the running. He wasn't even considered to be part of the conversation. When, when Jesse received word that his sons would be called, David wasn't, it wasn't even in Jesse's mindset to bring David to be a part of the calculation that, that quite possibly God could use him. But that's good news for you and I. Because uh, uh, David is the one outside of the completed number. David is an outsider. And I don't know if you've ever been like me, but I've been an outsider at times. I've been the only one in the room. I, I, I've been the only one uh, who, who, who in school seemed to love school. Uh, I've been an outsider. It's different. I, I, I've been, been the one that's different. And I'm sure you have been outsider also. I'm sure you found yourself in outsider circumstances and situations. But I, I stand here today to let you know that, that it's all right to be an outsider because God is not kept on the inside. Uh, God just looks on the inside, but he takes care of the outsiders. You see, David had no credentials. He was the youngest. He wasn't promised anything. He had no claim to anything. And yet God chose him. And that's my last point. God's ways are not like our ways. God chooses who he wants the way he wants. See, David is not a human accident, but a divine intention. It was time for a new act and a new king. So God did a new thing. It was time for God to upend the expectations. He chose the last, the youngest son. He chose the one they thought the least about. Oh, I'm so glad that God does that. I'm so glad that, that God chooses whomever God desires. Because that means that uh, every now and again, we think that they're too young. God can't use them. Uh, we'll dismiss someone because we'll say they're too old because God can't use them. Uh, but whatever it is that we can't wrap our minds around, I'm so glad that God can. I'm so glad every now and then God moves us out the way to make way for who he has. See, we're missing out when we miss out on the voices of young people. We miss out when we uh, discard the voices of the elderly. Who's sitting at our table? Who's feeding our minds? The, 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 the leadership is not in one place, but when we hear what God has to say, see, uh, we've got to not get caught up thinking that it is one way. Jesus is the way, but he calls all of us. All of us have a, a, a place, and if, if your heart is right, because that was the catch for David, God, God will make a choice, and, and God's choices are deliberate, but they're illogical. They're deliberate, but they're illogical. It doesn't make sense. When, when God got tired of humanity, he decided to wipe out humanity. He called Noah. Noah, an alcoholic, built the ark of safety. God's deliberate acts are illogical. God chose a convicted felon with a speech impediment named Moses to set his people free and lead them to freedom. God, God's way is deliberate, but it's illogical. He chose Abraham, who was old, to be the progenitor of a new faith. 
God does some wonderful things. He, he chose Elijah who suffered and survived depression. God chose him to be a herald of hope. God does some wonderful things that just doesn't make sense. Joseph, despite being a victim of child abuse, he wasn't vindictive towards his brothers when they needed him. God does some incredible things. It made no sense for Mary, this, this little girl who was not married to give birth, to, give, to deliver the deliverer. It doesn't make sense, but every now and again, God will break through and God will do a new thing. God will do it in such a way that you can't deny it's God and God alone. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't, don't, don't lean on your logic. God does some things that, that, that will mess us up and, and God will use them. Samson, think about Samson. Samson loved a cute face and a pretty waist, but, but that got him in trouble. And yet God still used him. God still used him. So, so whatever your thing is, and if you think God can't use you, if you think that you can't be in the position to be used fully by God, I want you to understand and know that God does some wonderful things, that God chooses some folks, and God does such an incredible thing that he chose his only begotten son, that his son who was a carpenter and a commoner, and yet he gave his life for you and I. So don't you think that you are not worthy and you are not worth it, because God loves you so much that he gave his son, he gave his life. It doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't make sense at all that he would give up heaven and come down to earth. But he loves you and I that much. The deliberate but illogical God. Amen. Amen.